stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the marvelous ways that you are at work here in this congregation and in our local community. Father, we give you the thanks. Lord, we give you praise for who you are and, Lord, what you've done in each of our lives. Father, we pray that you would take these offerings, Lord, these gifts. Lord, them use them according to your will. Lord, use them to um, continue to work towards the, the vision, Lord, the mission that you give given this church. Lord, it's well beyond what we can do on our own. But, Lord, with you, we can accomplish it. Father, thank you. Lord, we praise you. And Lord, hear us now as we praise you in song. show love by busting on each other and you can see how much I love my son so Not all <laughs> biological Daltons Christians so uh, uh, his name be praised all right I'm as I continue the series on spiritual gifts I want to talk on life in the spirit. You can't talk about life in the spirit without talking about spiritual gifts. And so I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 12 because Paul talks about gifts. Starting with verse 4, Paul writes this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now in verse 28 of chapter 12, and God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, gifts of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Paul emphasizes that the body of Christ cannot work properly unless the gifts of the Spirit are working properly. What is a spiritual gift? Well, we've heard lists of them. Knowledge, wisdom, 
tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostles, on and on and on and on. You heard the list I just read. What is very interesting is that every time Paul talks about spiritual gifts and gives a list, the lists are always different. Like in, you know, verse uh, 28 and stuff, he goes, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, apostles, teachers, and such. He, he, the list does not remain identical in each list. Also in Ephesians 4, 11, Paul gives another list, and that list is different. In all, Paul probably lists 16 or 17 basic types of gifts in which he expects to operate in the church and operate in individuals. And as you notice these lists, there's a huge wide spectrum. There's a spectrum. It, it runs from everything from extraordinary gifts, tongues, interpretation, miracles, healings, extraordinary gifts, to service gifts that look rather ordinary. In other words, there's everything on here from going out and helping cook someone a meal to someone prophesying in the name of God. That's a wide spectrum, don't you think? It's quite evident that these, all these lists are seeking to give samples of what the Spirit will do in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. None of these lists is identical, and none of these lists is exhaustive. No one list contains all the gifts, nor were they meant to contain all the gifts. It's obvious these lists uh, are for, to show us a sampling of how the Spirit operates. And they are so many. For instance, none of us would deny the fact that some of the gifts are not even mentioned in these lists. Did you notice that? For instance, who of us would deny that there is a gift of music? That somebody can get up, minister in the name of Jesus, bless people in the power of the Spirit... There's a gift of music. Wouldn't you agree? It's in none of these lists. By the way, who of us would deny that there is a gift of evangelism, that there are people who know how to talk to strangers about Jesus Christ and lead them to the Lord? They're good at it. They do it all the time. They have the gift of evangelism. Wouldn't you agree? Evangelism is in none of these lists. I think there's the gift of intercessory prayer. I think there are people who are specially gifted to pray. I remember Charlene Burns, who was the wife of the pastor when I arrived here in 1980. She, had the, she could pray literally four to six hours a day. She loved praying four to six hours a day. It energized her, and I think part of the reason we're here today is because of those prayers. Guess what? Wouldn't you agree that there is the gift of intercessory prayer? It's not in any of the lists. These lists are representative, but not complete. They are to give us an idea of how the Spirit moves. And I think they're, they're grouped into five different areas. The first gift, I think, is the, the grouping is the gift of leadership. Paul tells us apostles, teachers, pastors, prophets, perhaps administrators. There's the gift of revelation, prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. There's the gifts of discernment discerning of spirits, knowledge, wisdom. There's the gifts of power, healings, miracles, faith. There's the gifts of service, giving help, the gift of helps, the gift of mercy, doing acts of mercy. The, actually, there's a gift that is, the acts of, that, that is just giving, contributing in some way. And notice that Paul doesn't say what kind of help you give. I mean... 
You may have the gift of helping someone. It may take the form of you, you fix cars or houses for little old ladies for free. It's your gift. And Paul doesn't tell us just, you know, how the gift of mercy manifests itself. That could be taking a meal to someone. That could be listening. The possibilities are endless for how these gifts express themselves. How many ways can you give? Again, that leads us back to the question, what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a special capacity for service which is given to every Christian without exception. If you are a Christian today, you are a gifted Christian. You have a gift and probably you have more than one gift. There is no exception. There is no ungifted Christian here today. Do you know what your gifts are? And by the way, it was not a spiritual gift is not something you possessed before you became a Christian. Because gifts are abilities empowered by the Holy Spirit. What makes a gift work? The Holy Spirit makes a gift work. And as Paul puts it, the gifts are created and distributed by the Holy Spirit, not us. You don't get to choose your gift. That's the Spirit's work. Paul tells us that. You don't get, up, get to get up in the morning and say, I think I'll be an apostle today. It does not work like that. Or you don't get to get up and say, you know, I think I'll have the gift of miracles today. It doesn't work that. Who determines what gifts you get? Not you, but the Holy Spirit who distributes them as he will, says Paul. And by the way, the gifts are not earned. No one can say, if I'm really, really, really good, I'll get the gift of miracles. Again, how are the gifts distributed? The Spirit decides what congregation needs what to operate there it is not a measure of your spirituality. It is not earned. The Holy Spirit says this is what the believers here in this location need. Which brings us back, a gift is the ability to function or serve in an area of need in the church. Something in your life is a gift when it fulfills three basic criteria. The first is this. You know you have a spiritual gift if what you do edifies the body. If it builds up the church, if when you do it, people are blessed, if when you do it, people are drawn closer to Jesus Christ, if when you do it, God is... You, you understand what I'm saying? The second criteria for a gift is this. It glorifies Jesus Christ. It doesn't glorify you. Amen. Let's take, the, again, like, well, never mind. I'm going to, I'll come back to that later. And the third thing is this. The gift operates by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not flesh. You are working with the Spirit. It is not your power. Now, some people get spiritual gifts and natural abilities confused. They are not the same. Both natural talents and abilities are gifts from God. You're, some people are born, you're born with talents, but that's not a spiritual gift. Now, are they all from God? Yeah, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And your talents you're born with are distributed to men and women apart from any reference to their spiritual condition. You can have a talent and still be a pagan, and that means it's not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is not something you're born with. The spiritual gifts come from an immediate, direct relationship between a man and God and a, or a woman and God through conversion to Jesus Christ living in the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are something more than merely the wise use of talents. 
Gifts must be understood as literally something from the Spirit, and they only operate in the Spirit. You are not born with spiritual gifts. Yet after saying this, I want to say that natural abilities and talents can become spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, a spiritual gift is often a natural talent that is anointed by God and, and used to glorify God. For instance, Frank Sinatra had a talent for singing, but it did not operate in the spirit. It, it operated on the spirit of Jim Beam most of the time. It did not glorify Jesus Christ. Who did, who did Frank Sinatra's singing glorify? Frank Sinatra. It did not, you know, it did not bless the body of Christ, I can assure you that. It blessed Las Vegas. But the point is, is that somebody else with a gift of music, submitting to the Spirit, born again, glorifying God with it, like we heard Kiki this morning, that is a spiritual gift. Both started as talents, but one talent never turned into a spiritual gift. The other talent turned into a spiritual gift. All I am saying is that talents can and often do turn into spiritual gifts when surrendered to God. Now, there are some gifts, such as miracles, which have nothing to do with human personality or human talents. There are some gifts that never start as talents, like the gift of miracles. Nobody's born with the gift of miracles, all right? Or like the gift of healings. Nobody's born with the gift of healings. You, those just come straight from heaven right into you. However, any ability... Ignited and used by the Holy Spirit, whether in art or music or writing or prayer or listening or counseling, they can be legitimate spiritual gifts. Our tendency is to restrict or consider inferior many legitimate spiritual gifts because they began as natural gifts. And so they're, they're just not as spiritual we tend to limit the spiritual gifts only to the more spectacular gifts like healings and miracles and prophecies and tongues. And certainly those are gifts. But that's not what Paul... But we are to treat all spiritual gifts equally with high esteem of them. That's what Paul says in chapter 12, verse 22. He says those parts that seem to be weaker or less spectacular are indispensable to the church. The parts we think are less honorable, he says, or less spiritual, we treat with special honor in the body of Christ, he says. Why? Because the church is not made up of Billy Grahams. It's made up of people like us. Often what needs to be done is not spectacular, but it is incredibly essential. A church can be healthy without a big evangelist, but it can't be healthy without people with the gift of mercy operating. A church can make it without, you know, an apostle, but it can't not make it without people with the gifts of help and service doing those things in its midst. In little, ordinary, unspectacular ways, God's people build the kingdom most of the time. The fight against evil is lost or won on the basis of small acts of helping, teaching, giving, kindness. Don't minimize, Paul says, the less spectacular gifts. They are as important as the spectacular gifts. When someone is miraculously healed, you know what we say? And rightly so. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Spirit moved. Did you see that miracle? 
But when somebody exercises the gift of mercy, we often minimize it unknowingly by saying things like, isn't she sweet? Oh, he's such a good listener. What a nice person. You know what? When somebody exercises the gift of mercy and helps someone through tough times of suffering, instead of going, isn't she sweet? We should be saying, praise the Lord, glory to God, the Spirit moved. We must give honor to those gifts which seem weaker, Paul says. The opposite is true, too. We shouldn't be afraid of those gifts which clearly demonstrate the power of God. Flannery O'Connor, a great writer, was deeply attracted to the Pentecostal people in her area of Georgia. She often wrote about them, and although she herself was a Roman Catholic and preferred liturgical worship, she believed that the Pentecostals of the region often experienced a kind of power that was unknown or even scared persons from her background and her education. We are to desire all the gifts, Paul says. We are to pray for all the gifts, Paul says, and not run from any of them because God's power gifts are vital. I want you to know when we are in spiritual warfare here today and we need the gifts of power to defeat them. We are not going to talk evil out of here. We are not going to do good works and evil best packs up and leave. There are certain things that are only defeated by the power of the Spirit. And we should seek those gifts. Supernatural operations of the Spirit should not and cannot be restricted to certain denominations or certain movements. We need all the gifts all the time. Amen? Now, in general, some of you may be asking, well, how do I find my spiritual gifts? First, let me say that many times the way you find your gift or gifts is that you are drawn to them. You're interested in them. You think about the possibilities with them. And when you use those gifts, you enjoy using those gifts. When you use God's gifts that he has given you, you find joy in it. It's fun for you. That doesn't mean everything you do needs to be enjoyable, but what you're genuinely gifted in gives you joy. It's fulfilling. You want to do it. As Pastor Hank, as he says in last week's sermon when he said, quoted Frederick Meekner, that a gift is where your joy meets the world's needs. Hallelujah. Now, a second way you discover your gifts often is you're drawn to your gifts in a reverse kind of way. Sometimes you are drawn to your gifts through a burden or a frustration about something. You find yourself being aggravated at how poorly a certain ministry in the church is being done, and you're saying to yourself, why can't they do this? It's easy. I can do better than that. It just may be that that is an indicator of your gift for that ministry. If you're saying, why aren't they doing better than that? Can't they see what needs to be done? It's so obvious. I could do better than that. Maybe, just maybe, you can. It just may be that your burden or frustration is, in reality, a sign of your own giftedness. It may be that your frustration or your burden may well be a call from God in disguise. If you think you can do better, 
Maybe God is saying, go and do better. Help those poor schmucks who aren't gifted for it out. Do it, as Nike says. Which leads us to the last way, I think, or clue for finding a particular gift. One of the ways you can discover a gift, if you want the simplest way, is you enjoy it. And one of the reasons you enjoy it is because you're good at it. If the last time you did a solo in church, someone called the Humane Society because they thought a cat had been run over, you probably aren't gifted at singing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, 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 I'm talking about solos. I'm not talking about congregational singing. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Some of you are really noisy. <laughs> Praise the Lord, but we want you to make a joyful noise. But I'm talking about, you know, standing up in front. The fact is no one is gifted in all areas. And get this, it's not a sin if you can't sing. It's not a sin if you can't preach. It's not a sin if you can't administer. None of us is gifted at everything. But all of us are gifted at something. That's why we need each other, Paul says. That's why we're interdependent on each other. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The, nose, the ear cannot say to the nose, I don't need you. Turn to somebody and say, I have need of you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my. No, no, don't go further than that. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. Together in the Spirit. God using me to do what you can't do, and God using you to do what I can't do. That's exactly the way it's supposed to work. Nobody has all the gifts. Our job is to discover where we're gifted. And I might add that the quickest way to burnout, I know, is to keep doing ministry or labor in areas where we're not gifted. Most of the time, it's not how much work we do that burns us out. It's putting a round peg in a square hole that burns us out. It's not how hard we work that burns us out. It's how much flack we get from messing up over and over because we're not gifted for it that burns us out. Charles Stanley said he had a woman named Mary Gelderstadt. And he worked, she worked on her, his church staff for years. And her gifts were in the area of administration and organization. And he said, no matter how much responsibility I gave her, she handled it with ease. She thrived on it, as a matter of fact. Thinking about her responsibility, he said, it stressed me out. It didn't stress her out. I never saw her get in a hurry. To my knowledge, she never missed a deadline. As long as she was administering and organizing, she was in her element. You know, that's how you know you have a gift. You feel like you're in your element. She looked forward to tackling new responsibilities. Whenever they, they brought up something new, she'd go, oh, sure, I can do that. And she loved it. And God, people were blessed by it. Stanley said, then there's me. I spell stress, A-D-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N, administration. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you. Have you ever noticed that really, really good preachers are bad at administration? Oh, okay, all right. 
and, and, and humor sometimes. Uh, he said, the very thought of administration makes me tired. Nothing drains my energy more quickly. I dread the aspects of my responsibilities, Chanley says, to administer. He says, during those times, I call in sick if I can. He said, but on the other hand, and here's his gifts. He said, I can't understand why anyone would be afraid to get up in front of thousands of people and speak. What's up with those people? What an opportunity. I can't wait for Sunday mornings to roll around. Sometimes I'm so excited on Saturday nights I can't sleep. Nothing motivates me like preaching the Word. I feel almost no stress preaching. And I'm just as motivated at the end of our services as I was at the beginning. When we minister to others through our gifts, we are tapping into God's inexhaustible supply of energy and motivation. When we exercise the gift, the Holy Spirit flows through us like at no other time. Why? Because we're doing what we have been called and not only called, equipped to do. We experience an extra measure of energy and joy. I have to be honest with you. I hate writing sermons, but when I get up here to preach, I'm having a blast. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know what was said, but I'm going to rebuke it. <laughs> oh, was it good? Oh, well, then I take it back. I bless you, my brother. Like I said, I have fun up here. See, here's the problem. I think a reason so many Christians get burned out on church work is because they do what they're not gifted to do. They sign up as preachers get up and beg and they're often, you know, they sign up for whatever needs to be done at the time. And then they do their best for as long as they can take it, burn out on it, and quit. Stanley said, I know a man who attends Sunday school class where members take turns teaching the lesson. And to put it mildly, he said, this man does not enjoy teaching. He loves the Lord, and he loves the people in his class, but teaching's not his thing. He dreads the Sundays he's assigned to teach. In his words, I would rather cut a truckload of wood. And he said, some misinformed soul said, well, I guess he isn't very committed. But nothing could be further from the truth. It's not a question of commitment. It's a question of giftedness. You see, you will not thrive if you're doing a ministry where you're not gifted. If you do, this is one of the ways you know. If you're thriving in your ministry, there's, the gifts are there. If you're dying on the vine, the gifts aren't there. Your own gut tells you the truth. Wayne Powell, Pohl, pastored a church. And it was, an, it was a good church. You know, it had about 300 people coming and, and, and things were do, doing okay. But he felt this deep discontent about his church because he felt like his church wasn't going anywhere. And he felt like a lot of people in his church were just kind of going through the motions. They were doing stuff, but it wasn't bearing fruit and it wasn't bearing joy. And so what he did was that he asked some people from a well-known seminary to come in and do a gift evaluation in his church. They did a serious methodological search of the gifts of the Spirit that had already been placed in the congregation. And they said, he said to people, if we find your gifts, will you use them? We'll find a place for you to use them. Over a seven-year period, when this church began this process, 
Sunday morning attendance went from an average of 318 to 896, almost 900 people. The church budget more than quadrupled during that time. A higher percentage than ever went to missions. Tithing families in this church that discovered their gifts and started using them, tithing families in seven years went from two tithing families to 164. And the annual number of unchurched people brought into fellowship went from 14 a year to 165 a year. Now, I know statistics can really, can't really tell us what the Spirit's doing in the church. And, and, you know, as one wag said, there are lies, dadgum lies, and statistics. But still, a church giving more per person, that's God moving. Giving more to missions, that's God moving. Reaching out to, in, you know, into the community, that's God moving. And what really struck me is that this church, with no ma- they did it with no major sweeping changes. They didn't bring in some high-powered evangelism program. They didn't bring in some new program on how to do social action. They didn't import some high-pressure pro- profile person to get the people to give more. All they did was discover and start using the gifts that the Spirit had already given that congregation. And when that happened... People, guess what? Started having fun. They started being fulfilled. God started being glorified. The body started ministering to each other in new ways and was built up and edified. And more and more human needs were met within and without the church. The church, with its new dependence on the Holy Spirit, its new dependence on finding gifts and using those gifts as God had made them, Guess what? It became an attractive, magnetic place. And in a quite natural way, it started growing. I have a theory that any church that operates in the Spirit will grow, no matter what kind of programs and what kind of facilities you have. If you are in the Spirit, God will grow you in every kind of way. One of the keys to finding God's will for your life, one of the real keys, is you finding your spiritual gifts. Your giftedness is one of the keys to your role in the kingdom of God. It is one of the keys to life. There are some things only you can do. Some gifts are unique, not because other people don't have those gifts, but because they are attached to your personality. They are attached to your location. They are attached to your congregation. They are attached to the network of people only you can influence and only God wants you to influence. Let me put it this way. No one else can go where you can go and do what you can do with the same influence. That's true of every gifted Christian in this room. There are places you can go, relationships you can affect that nobody else can affect whether it's neighbor or family or work or church. No one can go and reach who you can reach and do what you can do. And you will not be fulfilled until you do it. You were born to make a difference. Find that difference. And so I leave you with this. What are you drawn to? What have you experimented with that gave you fun? What do others tell you about it? When you do something, do do people come and go, oh, I'm so blessed. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, what we're going to do, 
to, at church to help us with this is that on May the 13th, we are going to start a class on spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights in this church. And we're going to teach about the gifts of the Spirit. It'll be me and Pastor Cedra and Pastor, Pastor Linda. It's hard getting old. <laughs> we're going to teach this class. And part of this class is we are going to have some simple evaluations and tests for you to determine your spiritual gift. We are going to, you know, if you don't know what your gift is, please come to this class. If you think you know what your gift is, but you want to add, you think, I might have other gifts more than the ones I'm using, please come to this class. If you want to just know more, please come to this class. Everything will be free, and we'll even give out free rabies shots. So, uh, only if you're frothing at the mouth. I'm sorry. I'm... Please come. Please come. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Please come. We're giving out free candy, not rabies shots in the stomach. Okay. <laughs> much better, much more attractive. I don't have the gift of encouragement. Anyway, <laughs> come. I don't know whether to bless or rebuke that either. Come. Find what gives joy as well as significance to your life. Find where your joy meets the world's needs. Have you found that? You desperately need to find that. Okay? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and the intercessors to come forward. Again, we invite you to this class on May the 13th. I'd like you to stand. Again, if you don't know the Lord, if you'd like, you know, before you can find your spiritual gifts, you got to know the Lord, all right? You can go over here to this room and someone can help you or someone up front can help you. We will pray for you about any need. But I want you to ask yourself one question. Do, have I found my joy that meets the world's needs? And if you haven't, you need to do something about it. Amen? Amen. I surrender all to you, everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I surrender all to you, everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I surrender
So you can use me. I surrender all. I surrender all to you. All to you, Jesus. If you don't know your gifts and you don't use them, that means often you're a passive participant in church. And that means often you are bored. And if you stay bored long enough, that means often you get cynical. And after you get cynical long enough, that means often you walk away and say there's nothing to this. It is very, very important that you are an active participant in the kingdom of God. It is very, very important that you make the difference only you can make. It is very, very important that you find the reason God made you and be that person. Amen? Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to be a healthy body. Help us to have the gifts used that you have given us. Let no gift be ignored. Let no gift be unused. Use us to build up each other, to glorify you, and to reach the world. Now bless us as we leave this place. And thank you for such incredible generosity as you have showered on all of us. 
And God's people say, amen and amen.